Hey, Almost Founder, and welcome back to the most practical podcast for very early stage entrepreneurs. My name is Kurosh Kafari, and just like you, I'm a young founder who wants to build products that people love. Today, we are learning from Sam Amrani, and apart from being a Forbes 30 under 30, Sam has started and sold two startups and is currently building his third. Before his life as a founder, Sam was part of the team at EE that brought the first contactless mobile payment method to the UK. He is also an advisory council member at Harvard Business Review, and most importantly, a very good friend of Almost Founders. Sam will teach us all there is to know for building a brand in the very early days, and we specifically chose him for this topic because he has done it successfully three times in a row with business to business and business to consumer companies. You will enjoy this one a lot. Now let's get to it. And as always, share this episode with some of your entrepreneurial friends who might need some help on branding right now. Get ready to learn today to use tomorrow. Founders, especially at university, that the second you come up with an idea, you jump to the cool stuff that you can do, which is like building a website and like a finding a cool name and like finding a cool logo. But can you tell me what a brand really is apart from that name and apart from that logo? Yeah, I mean, I've been through the, the good, the bad and the ugly with building a brand from, from you know, the very early days when I got out of university. Even before I did my tech companies, I had other businesses. Like I had one of London's biggest free magazines that I published called The Executive Magazine. And so, you know, the branding journey for me has been a long, hard kind of learn it the difficult way um, approach. So you know, what is a brand effectively needs to encompass what you're trying to do as a business. And it doesn't necessarily need to reflect it the moment you say it, but it needs to stand for something. There needs to be a story behind your brand. I think that's that's fundamentally the first step that I kept getting wrong was trying to go for a, a cool, snazzy, snappy name and really trying to focus too long on building a brand name. The thing is, I think what's more important than the name itself is the mission statement. You know, people believe in what they're trying to do. The name is sort of secondary, at least on the B2B side. On the B2C side, I think it needs to be quite simple. Uh, and your brand really needs to reflect um, the consumer's experience, not the business aim. So actually, when you look at a bunch of these consumer brands that are out there today, they don't fit the normal mold of what a traditional consumer brand is, but somehow they work. So I definitely think that when you're thinking about a brand for the first time, you've got to start first about the mission statement and, and, and build from that. Okay, so the whole point of this episode is that basically an inexperienced founder listens to you and then they're as good as you as building a brand. I mean, to make this as easy as possible, you're starting a company. Let's say you're starting a company tomorrow. What is the first thing you would do to build your brand? Buy a notebook. (laughs) You're going to be making a lot of sketches and making a lot of notes about what you stand for as a business. You've really got to ask yourself a simple question of what do you want to do? What What is your vision? And then that vision should start to spit out keywords. Um, those keywords can then start to become the building blocks for that brand that eventually is, is what you call your business. So I wouldn't jump in and say, oh, let me have a look at oneworddomains.com and see what looks cool or that I'm, I need to get the right .com or that I, write, I need to get the right identity first and foremost. Start with the vision, get the keywords around it, and then start to take out the words that really highlight what you do and then start to think about how that could be tied together into a brand. So I'd say that was step one. What about the details? Um, I remember you were telling us at one point that, oh, you guys still don't have Almost Founders email addresses. What about these little things? Yeah. So, I mean, once you've got those keywords out and you've decided, I don't know, I'm going to call my business, you know, uh, red.com 
and uh, you know, good luck getting that domain, but let's just say you've got it anyway. And you, you find the right domain, red.app, red.ninja, you know, however you want to call it, don't worry about that. The next step is think about how you want to be presenting your company. Are you going to be a professional services company and you need to look like Deloitte or KPMG and you're going to go for that kind of look? Are you going to go for a you know hacky startup look and you want to look really kind of um, informal and and approachable? If you're a consumer brand, are you going for a certain demographic? Are you going for older clients or younger clients? And you've really got to think about all those pieces. So when it comes to how you want to start, there are some fundamental things, obviously, as a as an entity, as a as a as a business. Number one, as you mentioned, the email address. Um, people don't want to answer and at gmail.com or whatever it may be. It doesn't look professional. It's very easy nowadays to set up an email address. Very easy as well to you know take the next step after that and set up a landing page website. So if you've got the email address domain, then you've got your domain. So you can do two things straight away. One is have you know Sam at red.com, but then you've also got to have someone, you know, those people who get that email address will already go to at red.com and they'll go to the, the domain and they'll see nothing there. They'll get sent to GoDaddy or Google domains page and say, well, he hasn't even got a website yet. So those two things are intrinsically linked. Um, after that point, you want to make sure that you have a phone number. Um, getting a phone number where people can contact you, um, that is a professional number that you're going to be using as a business line, um, I think is important. People, you know, do want to get in touch with the business. People sometimes want to have someone at the end of the phone. And if it's your personal phone, sometimes things can spill over and you end up not either sounding too professional or you accidentally dial a client and all those kind of risks come, come as a result. Once you've probably got to that point, I would normally say business cards and logo design, but business cards, I don't know if they're going to have a future after the pandemic. So it's hard to, hard to say, but I would definitely then look at websites like fiverr.com and look at you know some decently priced logo designers. There are really good ones out there for good budgets and get a logo identity design. And I wouldn't sweat the detail on this. I would get just a really nice, you know, passable looking logo that does the job for now. If you look at the history of all the biggest brands in the world, they change their logo 50, 60 times sometimes. So Coca-Cola has had a 200 year history and they've probably done 50 different iterations of their brand. Don't worry that your first logo is not going to be your last, and you can guarantee that. I always see on the news, you know, Airbnb just rebranded last year, I think it was, or two years ago before the pandemic. These rebrands happen all the time. So no one will ever hold you to having a logo for six months or a year. It's bound to change. Think about a tagline that can come along with your logo, logo as well. So what is your symbol? Are you just going to go for the spelling of your company, or are you going to go for uh, an iconographic kind of look? Um, again, if you're going to make a symbol or an icon, think about how that ties into what your business stands for. People will ask questions in meetings about your brand. If it's a weird name, for example, I founded the company Tomoko and I had, I've had at least a thousand meetings where people have asked me what it means to be prepared to justify your brand every single time, if it's a weird word. And those are the kind of starting steps I would say. So make sure you have a professional email make sure you have a website towards that domain so people can click it and actually get some information and they don't want to see a, a domain landing page. Think about your logo design and your identity design for the company. Don't worry about it too much, but having something polished is always better than nothing. And then basically be ready to talk about your brand and, and what it stands for if people ask you. So I'd say those are the four main steps to, to getting started on your identity journey. How has your approach to this changed over time from Tomoko to Crowder to uh, Alvin? Worry less about the, the first brand. 
uh, definitely. I must have, if I, if I look at how much time I spent on each brand, it decreased with a factor of 10 every time. I probably spent about a month working on the Tomoko brand, sitting in coffee shops, sketching out stuff in notebooks, trying to think about the best name out there. And, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't really make a difference to now. But what I actually, I look back now and I see what I did with Tomoko. And the things I did right were, I didn't pick a brand name that sounded like everybody else. And if you're thinking about creating a company, try and be different about what your brand name is. So let's just say, I don't know, you're looking to do a cat food startup. Um, and you think about all the companies out there, Whiskers and, and Meow and all this stuff. I don't know if, even know if Meow is a brand, but they all relate to a cat. But if you call your brand something completely different, maybe not to the point where it's confusing, but something unique, you will eventually stand out. And I can say that with, with track record now because Tomoko sounds nothing like any of the other companies in the location or, or geospatial space. And we get discovered all of the time because we, we look completely different. And so when we're in a lineup full of different companies, that really helps us um, win business. For Crowdit, there was definitely more care and attention taken into the consumer goal, but we spent a lot less time on figuring it out because we felt that, you know, we looked at all the consumer brands that came out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and so on. And they all sound perfect now, but when you look back to when they created them, they probably were pulling their hair out about whether or not they were the perfect brand name. Facebook started out as the Facebook. So they, even they went through iterations at the beginning. So we had crowded and we took it and we thought, well, let's run with it. We, we thought about after a year or so to rebrand it, but actually we had no negative feedback on the brand. Importantly, no lawsuits on the brand. And, and we just pressed ahead with that. And with Olvin, uh, again, I went back to the drawing board to find a good name. And, and this time, one of the things I'd learned was it was really important for us to have a snappy uh, name purely because we knew that our audience for Olvin was going to be smaller retailers, right? Um, small businesses and hundreds of thousands of them. And they needed something small, short, memorable, easy to remember and easy to spell. So we were absolutely looking for a .com because we knew that, you know, old mom and pop stores in the U.S., wouldn't either know about or trust non.com domains. So it was really important for us to have .com for traditionalists. We knew that we needed something that was seven letters or less. Uh, our domain was five letters. And we needed something that was either an acronym. I like acronym-based uh, brand names for B2B, like Tomoko is slightly uh, uh, acronymistic. But we wanted something that could symbolize what Olvin was without it being too obvious. So Olvin is offline local venue intelligence, O-L-V-I-N. And so we used that and it came up. And also there is that one probably thing I should have said straight at the beginning, which is a lot of domains are taken. <laughs> so you do have to sort of take what you can get. We were thinking about calling Olvin originally Surround, but the domain for surround.com was 50,000 pounds. So we couldn't actually afford that at the time. So we said, right, we've got to compromise. And we found Olvin.com for, I think it was 280 pounds or something like that. And we said, that's it, five letter.com domain symbolizes what we do as a company, could build a nice brand out of it. And half the company was against it. Half the company was for it. At that point, two years before with Crowdit, we changed the, when we changed the logo, I had the same problem. And I ended up having to redo the logo 100 times before everyone was happy with it. This time, I just said, no, we're going to stick with this name. I want to build the company, not the brand. So we then pressed ahead with, with Olvin. And 18 months later, everyone loves it. So it, it just maybe takes a bit of time for people to get used to it. It's, um, it's part of that mindset of, I'm not familiar with this brand. Could it be the best it could be? Um, and don't fear because what I've learned over the last few years of building brands is that 
brands can sound a bit alien and a bit weird when you first put them together and you feel like they're not perfect, but over time they sink in and just become standard. The way you look at your brand is not the way that others will look at your brand. So they, a lot, and a lot of the time they don't care. They're more, you know, caring about the service or product that you're offering. They care less about what the brand is called, as long as it's not something horrific, but don't worry about how it sounds to you on day one or how your team may be, you know, loving or not loving it. Um, give it, Three months. If by after three months people are still really disgusted by the brand name, scrap it and start again. But if by that point it's bedded in, then you've just gone through what almost every startup goes through. So fair enough. There's there's this just one little thing that I keep thinking about when I think about the brand, which is that the brand plays such a huge role in the whole life cycle of the company. And we in entrepreneurship education, the whole time we're talking, we're talking about the lean startup, how we can't make any decisions. Everything we say is an assumption. We always got to speak to our customer. So is why is this approach okay though with the brand? For example, when we say that in the beginning you need to sit down and decide what your vision is for the company, but why does anyone care about your vision? Shouldn't you be looking at your customers who then at the end need to decide what it is that they want to get from a specific brand that solves their problem? I think what you've identified there is the you know the process you take if you're commercial or not commercial or, or B2B or B2C and really that's where branding becomes a whole different school of thought for each of those things. So the, the things I've, I've, I've sort of covered off are the fundamentals but on your point about vision, your vision should be what the customers want or at least what you perceive that to be. So I wouldn't start to try and make your brand a, an amalgamation of all the different customer dreams and wishes you'll end up with a camel. It's basically, you know, it's a, it's a horse designed by committee um, and that never looks good. So what you want to do is stay true to your vision. Your vision should be yours. And if you get it wrong, then the startup fails and your company fails. And that, that's, that's okay for it to fail. But um, if you start deviating from your vision, then you're, you will lose passion for what you're doing. It's okay, to, it's okay to evolve. That's bound to happen, but that doesn't happen with a brand. So I would definitely say, you know, if you're if you're a B2B company and you're looking to build a brand, make it about the vision directly. Don't worry so much about the name and just get started on executing. If you're a B2C company, then maybe take a little bit more care and attention into, you know, what other services are out there for consumers in the market and what works and what hasn't. So definitely look online, see if there's any companies in this space that have tried or failed. Even if you don't see them as direct competition to your business, check them out see whether or not they're resonating with their users because ultimately if you're launching an app or a website and you want people to go there, you have to think a little bit more about spelling, uh, tone, intonation. Can people pronounce it? Does it cross borders? All that kind of stuff. But I don't think the vision point is uh, ever tied to the brand. I think the vision should represent what you believe the brand to be. And your vision is really what drives the entirety of the, of the business engine. So yeah, from a branding point of view, never never try to compromise the branding and the vision together. Just think about you know what your customers are looking for without compromising on that initial why are we here in the first place. In just 15 minutes, you got all of the basics you need to create your very first brand. Share this episode with some of your entrepreneurial friends who could use the knowledge you just acquired. Also, check out our new Waves feature on almostfounders.com. It's not a huge group full of strangers, but personalized micro-communities for you and 20 like-minded founders. As always, my name is Kurosh Kafari, and just like you, I'm an almost founder.